thanks again for your time, mate. Are we um, are we enjoying the heatwave that we're currently experiencing? Uh, cheers, David. Yeah, I've had a good weekend. Been to a, a festival and a wedding, so I have been out enjoying it, having a bit of a downtime this morning. But yeah, it's good to chat to you, mate. Yeah, thank you very much again for coming on. I seen on your your Instagram you was uh, busting some moves on the dance floor. <laughs> I was, man. It's it's good when the work you're putting in pays off, and you can, you know. F- breakdancing tricks I used to do 15 years ago are still available to me when I've not done them in years it's, it's, yeah. it's quite nice it's fantastic speaking of tricks the reason why I wanted to talk to you today primarily is about the way of the rope um I bought my first rope I bought in November 2020 so it was, it was pretty much in lockdown at that point I seem to remember yep um bought the rope and basically off the back of watching you on on Instagram and I was mesmerized by the the floor patterns and the movement of yourself doing the rope, the rope, um, rope floors. It reminded me of like samurai warriors wielding swords, maybe um, staffs and bows. And I immediately was resonated by that. So um, to admit, I just wanted to do it for the tricks really. So I'll be, mm. I'll be straight honest with you off the bat. Mm-hmm. But soon, very soon, trying to learn the tricks, the novelty kind of wore off with the tricks. And now the rope forms a really integral part of my warm-up for jiu-jitsu uh, before I lift weights. And I've kind of stripped it all back now. And really, it's just primarily looking at the underhand roll and really just concentrating on feeling the movement. And my first kind of question, Tim, is why is that movement so valuable? And why, do, why does it kind of feel so good in that, in that pattern? Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment of how many people come to the rope is in the beginning, it might be drawn by looking at the tricks. But what's going on internally with the rope flow practice is so much more profound than what anyone can ever visually gather until you really until you've embodied it yourself. Yeah. And I've, I'm the same as you where I've gone down seeking, you know, all these sneaks and these different tricks, which are they absolutely have their place. Yeah. What I come back to is just enjoying the underhand pattern as much as much as any other trick. Yeah. Um, and primarily it's because it, what it does is it puts the body on this figure of eight or hor- like a horizontal figure of eight. So it's the, the infinity symbol. It, it forces us to go on this path. Now we can find this pattern without the rope, but because the ropes, it keeps us so honest because it's there and it's this big bit of feedback that's swinging each side of our body. We have to move out of the way of the rope. Yeah. So if we don't move out of the way, it's going to hit us. And because we're having to move out the way and we're well aware it's there and we've probably hit ourselves many times before we've learned how, how getting at where out, out of the way is and how it feels as we're getting out of the way on the right side and then we're swinging it over to the left and we're getting out of the way on the left side it just greases the groove of this yeah. infinity pattern sorry about that um and th- when it does that add all of our joints both the shoulder the wrist the rib cage, which we took, which one of the things we can get into, I guess, is when we're running, when we're moving locomotively, the rib cage should also move on this figure eight pattern where the shoulders don't just stay level the whole time. One will drop and then drive forward and the other will go back and then down and drive forward. And the rope just teaches us this pattern. And the more we can kind of grease that into our bodies and into our movement patterns, primarily for for either, you know, martial arts and, and running, um, it, it just does so much more than just looking like a guy swinging a bit of rope because it's, it's muscle memory. It's working the fascia at its end ranges because there's rotation going on. We're not just in a yoga pose. You might stretch, stretch your arm out like that, but we're yeah. actually rotating. And if you see even the forearm, you can see that the muscle wraps around it like a rope 
wines. And so we're starting to ring out and maximize uh, the end mm -hmm. range of that. So all the joints are getting utilized to their full potential, yeah. as well as learning good patterns that we can use in all of the practices. And I, I mean, I've not delved into jujitsu myself, but I'd love to hear, uh, maybe you're going to talk about that later, but how yeah. it's how you feel it in your practice there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's a beautiful way of putting it, grease in the groove. I've, I've come across that phrase a few times. Um, and you Pavel, could... Pavel, the King Kettlebell guy is the guy I heard it from the most, Pavel. Yeah, Pavel, yeah. Satsulin, how do you pronounce his surname? <laughs> Something like that, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Suzuki, I, I don't know. <laughs> I get it way wrong, so I don't yeah. try. And you use a beautiful phrase as well of working in. So rather than, the, I mean, the rope can form a workout, but using the rope to work in, which yeah. is a, a lovely way of, of expressing the, the movement patterns. And it just uses a bit of a flow just to get those joints greasing the groove, as, as you put it. Yeah. One thing I've noticed with your particular movement, and obviously you've been, I'd love to hear, by the way, how, how what clicked in your mind with your knowledge of biomechanics and all that when you first held the rope and you mm. first started to roll it, um, it was David Weck. Am I correct in saying that who introduced you to it? What yeah. what clicked in your mind? How did hmm. what what was it that uh, really sort of filled the gap? Yeah, I mean, I was still fairly new on my biomechanics journey, but not not totally new. That I was I was quite aware of how important it was to look at locomotion, how we walk and run, as the like the blueprint for everything else. Not not that it's it's just everything kind of stems from that as a baseline. So anytime we can work on that as a baseline, we can benefit everything else to some degree. Um, and so I, when I learned from David Weck, I flew out to San Diego to do my WMQ2. And I'd looked at other practices um, like functional patterns and I'd done years of yoga and Pilates. Um, and I'd experience, you know, I've, I've got a history in parkour and yeah. free running and breakdancing and I've done obstacle course racing and marathon racing and CrossFit. And I've gone to all these different things. I'm yet to start my, my martial arts journey. And if I do, it would be jujitsu because I don't like the thought of damaging people, you know, physically yeah. trying to, you know, whereas jujitsu can be more playful in that. Um, so I've been down all these different avenues of, of sport and, and some looking at biomechanics, but not totally scientifically. I'm just expressing it with parkour or whatever I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so when I, I picked up the rope and it was an actual light bulb moment for me that I don't think everyone has that same light bulb moment, but some people that just that their passions and desires are in that kind of right thing. And their mind is wired that kind of way. They pick up the rope and they've, they feel what's happening and they feel this pattern getting embodied and downloaded into the, into their body. And you're like, wow. Like, and then you start to tap into it without the rope. And it's just, it really is one of the most profound moments I've ever experienced in my movement uh, career basically yeah. and and it's weird because it it took me away from the yes it can be seen as like show off tricks or whatever but fundamentally the simplest pattern that we talk about is the underhand and I've got a history with parkour and doing fancy tricks and flips off of walls and then people are seeing see me do that and they're seeing me swinging a rope and they're like well Tim's you know step down a bit and it's like <laughs> It, it takes a bit of I don't know I guess it sounds like I'm picking myself up but it, it is a humble practice you know it takes yeah. and and it is the journey of longevity you know you get to your end of your 20s and start 30s and you have to think about most of us have to think about longevity uh the ones that don't are the ones who naturally have got good biomechanics yeah for whatever reason that they've they've got to that stage and so those that of us that have had 
somewhat limited biomechanics because our mother walked a certain way and we copied how she walked and now we've got bad knees because that's that pattern gets you bad knees over 20 years of walking that way yeah I had to think about these things and so when I started to delve deeper and deeper it took me to looking at patterns of movement and there's just nothing I have found or comes close to the rope for training patterns of movement mm -hmm. now it's great for the upper body the lower body there's certain timing and things it does do good for the lower body but that's a different journey I've been on as well to get the ankles and knees strong yeah I mean talk about training for longevity I'm I turned 42 this year and um, mm. it's it's something that I've maybe should have thought about a bit earlier in, in terms of adapting my training to to really like think about training for many many more years to come because I want to carry on um, training doing jujitsu for many more years. Um, of course, yeah, we should be able to. Yeah, of course, yeah. And um, again, like to your point, Tim, it, it takes a little bit of an ego check, doesn't it, to bring yourself back down and maybe um, put less weight on the barbell and concentrate more on form. Um, something that I never really thought about. I'm currently seeing a physio at the moment. I've got tennis elbows on the inside. I think I'm correct in saying that. I'm yeah. experiencing a lot of tendonitis on the inside of my elbow. Mm. The physios prescribed a lot of isometric holds to strengthen the tendon. And mm -hmm. I don't know, you, you may have thought about it yourself being a little bit more um, in tune with all these things, but I've never thought about in my 20s and 30s training my tendon strength at all. I just wanted to get bigger, get stronger, put as much weight on the bar as you can, probably as similar to a lot of people who may be listening mm -hmm. to this. Yeah. But even just like training tendons, it's not going to look good in the mirror. And it takes a little bit of an ego check to come down and now think about training all those little things. Yeah, that's exactly the same. The same way of thinking is that the exercises that we probably need the most are the ones that are the less appealing yeah. visually, both aesthetically and then in the training process itself. They're not going to be as attractive to put on your Instagram, but they're, yeah. you know, what Bruce Lee's doing, you know, a thousand punches a day or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's what we need to do sometimes if we are actually going to pay the price of, of, of longevity and think about that stuff. It's like taking yeah. the ego check for sure. Definitely. And there's kind of a wider, a wider message like with, with yourself, who's, and I'm not saying you're just doing tricks for the sake of doing tricks, but it, it looks mesmerizing. It's proper cool doing the tricks, but um, that might get you the exposure on Instagram, but then through following your journey and the message that you're putting out, the actual foundation of that underhand people will, that will then start to be introduced to that. Whereas if you just put that maybe on Instagram, people might be like thinking, yeah, it looks all right, but it's not that fancy, is it? So maybe you need the, the fancy stuff to get that attention. A bit like the, I don't know if you follow the knees over toes guy. Yeah, Ben Pat, I've done his, I did four months of his programming. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Um, and he puts all his like tricks, for the want of a better term, on Instagram, but there's a deeper message, isn't there? But he needs that exposure to get that message to people of just walking backwards. Yeah, and I, you're right. And I think what it is, is there's a lot, people are, seeking a lot more integrity now and organic uh, like businesses they, they want to support more or they're just drawn to it more and with what what, what I'm trying to do and, and Ben Patrick as well is you, you have to represent what you're talking about you know you can't just be a physio in a lab coat saying do this and it's going to fix your kneecaps and it's like well how do you run how, how are you you're talking about <laughs> this is good for your kneecaps but you can't even run yourself like yeah so I, we, we there's a been a growth of, of looking to coaches on Instagram. If you're going to follow people, practice what they preach and what they preach is there's results in it. You know, the proof is in the pudding. And so yeah. when I looked at David Weck and saw how he moved, I'm like, well, you know, 
there's answers there that's that's to be gleaned when he's got a replaced hip but he, he's i've met people with a replaced hip and they do not walk like that guy that guy can move so he's <laughs> he's done something to to stabilize and secure it and then the the patterns of movement the timing the sequencing between his upper body and lower body the right and left hand and yeah. even down to the, pre the pre preciseness of the the wrist movement to the you know he talks about infinitesimal accuracy like because we talk about infinity but the infinitesimal is the, is the minute and he can like find an, a point in the air and rotate around that point nice. without like flailing all over because he's could because of the rope practice he's got so precise down to the dexterity yeah. of his fingertips you know so wow. um looking at people like him ben patrick you cannot deny how that guy moves so you're going to go well there's something to be learned from this guy you know if he can and his the, his results of you know jumping 19 inches to jumping 30 something or 40 something maybe like doubling his height of his jump because of what he's doing well you're going to listen to that guy if you want to be able to jump so yeah, yeah always look to look to people that are performing and i think in in jujitsu that's kind of like a given right you're like you're going to listen to a, a black belt who's performed in a competition or you, you can you know that Gosh, yeah. it's, a, it's a natural innate thing that we do in certain areas of, of our life but when it comes to health and you know movement and physio stuff well you know, not to say that you can't learn things because one of my best physios I've ever had, she's so focused on treating people that she doesn't necessarily move well herself, but she's given me bits of knowledge that I, that I couldn't have got anywhere else. So yeah. there is knowledge to be had there, but it's having that discernment that you can't put too much value in that. And actually those that can express it are often ones we should listen to as well. And so that is part of why I put out the the, the tricks and the movements to to show that. But then fundamentally the teachings are simple and they, and they should always be quite simple if, yeah. if they're the ring true for all of humanity you know yeah of course i've just finished um well, i said just finished it a few months ago i've just finished a book called skin in the game by um nicholas nassim taleb and don't get me wrong that might make me sound like intelligent or whatever but it was a hard read i really struggled to to grasp a lot <laughs> of the, the concepts he was going on about but sometimes i think it's good to have a book that pushes you intellectually and maybe is is above and beyond your kind of um level to push you one thing I've, got, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Yeah. yeah. You want to share any points from One that? One thing that I got from it was yeah. the title of the book is Skin in the Game. So um, giving people incentive was a big a big theme of the book and having skin in the game. So to your point, you, you're doing what you're um, expressing and talking about and you're not just telling people to do this rope, this figure of eight movement, this pattern. You're not actually doing it yourself. So it's about just people having skin in the game, which is offers more integrity, like, like you said before. And it was one of the reasons why um, I offered to, to give a donation um, for you to come onto the, the podcast today. Yeah. So I've got, that's my putting skin in the game to try and offer you incentive to, to come onto the podcast. It is an yeah. interesting book, um, but I struggled with it. It's probably a little bit too above my, um, <laughs> my intellectual level. It's motivated you to get out there though. Like it's, you must've got some. Yeah, definitely. From it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you for the donation, by the way. I appreciate that very much. No problem. You're welcome. How have you found um, the knees over toes stuff? Has it been beneficial for you? So I did the, the first three months is one program called Zero, and that's kind of foundational. And it was tough graft, you know. It was five days a week, um, but I was motivated. I'd seen the results he had, and I wanted that for myself. And so I committed um, 12 weeks to doing that. And then I moved on to the next program. And then you start, that's all body weight. And then you start to add weights. And I, I bought the... Uh, uh, Nordic bench and was was right. I was enjoying it but it felt like there was too much focus on strength work um for for me 
and I think there's what I'm learnt, what I feel like I've learned since is there's foundational levels before strength work comes into play. The the progress I made, some of it is kind of stuck around for my knees, but it never helped. My my bigger issue was my ankles. Right. And and it didn't help too much with my ankles. And so I had to move on to another program to try to solve that. And I moved on to Gota and then Flowbility. Um and then I've I've, I've de- developed my, my own thing now that's helped me more than any other program I actually was able to find, which is interesting, you know, when you actually just you can solve your own problem. You've got all the power to solve your own problems. And that's what I've pretty much almost been able to do with my own exploration rather than yeah. fully relying on all these other systems in place. Um, but yeah, it, there was that beneficial and I'm, I'm grateful for the process. But overall, I, I think there's too much focus on strength work. Um, and that's not the only solution to a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. When you talk about your, your, your problem with your ankles, one thing that I noticed when um, I'm watching you on Instagram doing all these rope flows is the footwork is, is amazing, is impeccable. And that's probably something that does translate over to the running, coming up on the balls of your, the balls of your feet and obviously they're connected to the knees and the hips. How yeah. important is, is the footwork in, in terms of these patterns with the rope? For me, it's not fun without the footwork yeah. because it's, I want it to be a full body experience and you can, you know, you can stand there and, and do the underhand and you still get like the bob and a weave of the, the timing of the, the, the knees and the, the ankles but it's when you start to do the turns and the 180s and the, the you can do 360s but you don't really need to but just the 180s the 90 even 90 degree turns and yeah. the transitions between the patterns this really teaches you you just do because I, rem- I remember when i went to work method and chris chamberlain he was an absolute he's wex basically number one trained under wet guy and he's took it so much further um because he's you know in his 30s and an absolute I think he swings like an 80 kilo kettlebell with one hand and does like, it's it's absolutely incredible when you watch his Instagram, Chris Chamberlain. Um, So he, he really backs up the teachings that they work. Um, And he just said, just keep turning, just keep going underhand to overhand under. Cause I was like, what do I do with my feet? What do I do with my feet? He said, just keep doing it. And it really does. You don't need any coach to assess you and tell you what to do. I mean, that could help and speed it up, but you don't, the rope is the teacher. You just, you just do there you face that way you swing it you face that way and you just do that over days and over days and your brain works in the background like when i used to play um video games and you try a level over and over and over and you can't complete it and then you go away and the next day you come back and the first try you complete it and you're like what's going on there and so so the brain kind of worked on it in the background or you're able to relax and you were too tense or something and the ropes like that. So I, I tell people to do five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, or in multiple sessions at different points in the day, rather than doing an I mean, you can do an hour and I've done plenty of hour, two, three, four hour sessions, but you can do five, 10 minutes, put it away, come back to it. And the body's kind of downloaded yeah. what it's learned and assessed it. And then it's smoother the next time. Um, and so the, the footwork is a big part of that because the rope is guiding the timing and it's putting was in these balance points where the rib and the head kind of goes over the right foot so I can mm-hmm. then load onto that leg and then spring off into the other leg and load and so the footwork is what ties it all together the way I've got a, a eight-week course with the rope because I don't want I don't want the rope to go on forever you, for me it's like I, I put three or four months into the rope and then I stop using it as much I use it yeah. once or twice a week but I, I still come in stints now where I'll use it every day and then I won't use it for three months and I'll use it every day for two months. And it's, it's funny how it comes back. But the, the way I built the eight week course was the first two weeks is all spine focused because what we want to do is teach people that movement begins in the core, in the spine. 
and then it works out to the arms whereas if we, most people are trying to do everything with their arms and then oh, they're not used true. to mobilizing the spine so yeah. the first two weeks is all spine focused then it's three weeks of arm we add the arms in so the, the arms the energy wave comes off the spine I, i'm swinging the energy spirals down the arm down the rope and then it comes into this arm and then down and so when we run there's these spirals with that we're not just doing this there's yeah. like there's this slight turns with the hands and the wrists and shoulders that uses the the fascial system in the body which is the kind of spider-man suit that's on top of the muscles but underneath the skin we want to use the tension within this system so the more we can like wrap and turn the more actually maximizing the tension which yeah. helps the whole system like spring and bounce and so then we add the arms and then the last final three weeks is we add the footwork to this so it's the the spine the arms then the feet on top because if you see like a tiger pounce and this is one thing you see people do in the gym is they'll try to, if you're doing like a thrust, say you're in squat and you're trying to push to overhead, mm -hmm. you don't just push your legs and the hands at the same time. You drive with the legs, you get some momentum and then you go with the hands. The same thing with rowing, right? You don't just push with the legs and pull with the arms. You push with the legs, go with the, the, the spine. Then you pull, there's a sequence yeah. to movement that should happen. And this is what happens with the rope and the footwork side of it is the ropes, this, this expression, this magnifying glass of our movement, this um, it highlights because there's weight to it. We can feel viscerally like this highlighted movement going on in, in our hands. Yeah. And then we, as we start to stand up with that, the feel of that rope, we, we find that sequencing of the lower body and the upper body and the arms working together, not at exactly the same time, but in this sequence mm -hmm. and the rope and the footwork helps us to find that sequencing, which we can then apply to footwork you know whether it's martial arts whether it's a golf swing or whether it's whether it's running or parkour then yeah. then we can start to tune into this these this sequencing as well it's interesting one of one of my other favorite um kind of movement patterns to work on is that that serve and the the baseball bat what's it called the the ace, and the ace serve. And the home run and home the run, that's it sorry yeah. Mate, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, amazing like movements just for that upper body like the stretch around the side and the footwork yeah. for that as well is just like the same as throwing the punch in it up on the balls of your feet exactly beautiful yeah, yeah. really so nice that, that is one of the exactly on that point you said that side bend this is one of the things that we uh, when i learned from work method and, and that you just don't see when people train bilaterally which is when they train both sides at the same time which is all the, the a lot of the gym lifting yeah which is absolutely great and has its put as its place we also want to train one shoulder down, one yeah. shoulder up, because we've got all of this obliques on one side here. You've got the lat down here. Like we want to get into, and I'm sure this is big in jujitsu, right? It's like, yes, yeah. protect the core. Gosh, yeah, crunching, yeah. But we're not always just here. If we go here, if we lift this, the more we lift this shoulder, the more we can sink this shoulder. And the rope just helps to guide that as we come through. Definitely. And, and it makes it easier to pivot from this side to this side. If my shoulders are square, yeah, it's a lot of work, right? But if, but if I dip the shoulder, I can come through so much smoother. So it helps yeah. guide us to that. And it's great alongside a, a bilateral practice, but we want to train the left side and the right side and then that as well. And that's how we get, you know, supple and strong. And this is, I'm kind of obsessed with, I call it big cat training. Like there's only few athletes you see that are jacked yeah. and supple and agile. And I'm like, there must be a way to get to this. And that's what I see with someone like Chris. And that's kind of the path. I don't, I wouldn't say I'm there yet, but I'm working to that position where I can be like the tiger who looks big and strong, but they can also move like a motherfucker. Yeah. Like they're, they're always on point. <laughs> they're on balance. 
And, uh, and there are these odd, like, American football athletes. There's a, a British footballer. Uh, I don't think he's British, but he played for Walt Traore. And he, he was a big dude, but moves really agile. And I just think, how do we do it? And that's when it comes down to it's not just strength training, man. It's pattern training and it's yeah. security. Because if you're moving with big weights, you need to feel secure in your joints. So stabilization, patterns of movement, and then strength after that. But I think we most of us missed the first two. Yeah, for sure, definitely. It kind of reminds me of uh, the Supple Leopard by, is it Kelly Starrett? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But that was, I, I went through that, I read that book. Um, that's just a lot of stretching, which, and myofascial release, which is in the right ballpark, but I think there's steps before it, before that comes into play. Right, yeah. Um, the way I kind of use the rope and the way it resonates for me in terms of translating it to jiu-jitsu is your, your feet in jiu-jitsu and your legs are working like your arms, so when you're talking about the rope connects one side of the body to the other side of the body, it gives that like full loop. Yep. Your left hand in jiu-jitsu might be doing something, but you're dropping like your right hip. So you're crunching on the right side and your right leg is um, on the mat or hooking someone else's leg. So all your body, you need hmm. to work, you need to understand where all your body is at any one time. So yeah, got to know your right hand's doing, but like your left hip is dropped and your foot might be hooked over. So it, it gives that kind of complete, feedback loop like like you're talking about the rope i know exactly what you mean yeah yeah that's kind yeah. of how i interpret what the rope helps me do with Jesus. yeah you know that I mean? must be really cool though because you're literally controlling four but i mean i'm sure your head and stuff as well but yeah. four main limbs you're having to think about all four at any one time yeah and yeah head how they can... as well your heads are your heads a frame as well that can be used totally yeah and, and how you're connecting them either externally through the person through the floor or whatever to make things happen so yeah. yeah i guess the rope is a very similar expression of that but just stood up with our own in our own time yeah 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 and just the movement pattern with what we previously spoke about where you you are starting to crunch over to the left maybe and that's bringing your right shoulder up and the your point before about um if you want to do a sweep right like sweeps like yeah. you've got to drop to that sure. yeah you've got to drop underneath to get underneath someone and then yeah. use your leg to act like a pendulum to pull mm. someone over so your upper body's working in tandem with the, the legs and um i heard someone i can't remember actually you said it once but they were kind of kind of offering a bit of a um a short sentence as to what you should be trying to look for in jiu-jitsu to a very basic level is your hands should be your legs and your legs should work like your arms <laughs> yeah so you, you, your hands should be just framing like your legs would be to walk on in in life but then your legs are working like your arms. So your legs are the thing that is gripping like your hands, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So the more you can do that, the more you're like going to, yeah, confuse. Yeah. You're just having control that people aren't used to. Right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, when you were saying about just spending a couple of minutes on the rope and then moving away from it, and then the next time you go back to it, something clicks. I had a similar experience myself in two one related to the rope and one related to just nothing compared to the rope, just in musical instruments. Mm -hmm. um, so doing the, the servant volley with the rope, I kept trying to that and setting it up from it. Is it the matador that you'd set that up from? Yeah. And then drag and roll and then serve. Yeah. And it took me ages to, to get that pattern down and not even thinking about it. I just sat it off one day, came back to it. And as soon as I picked up the rope the next day, I just did it. I don't know why my body was just something clicked in it. It reminded me of the same way as I don't know if you play any musical instruments. I, I play piano a little bit and guitar. I've like tried to learn. I wouldn't say I play them, but I've, I've experimented so a, with them. Yeah. A guitar, trying to play a bar chord in the guitar. 
Mm. You know where your, your your four fingers going across all the different strings on a fret. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So for ages, I didn't have the dexterity in my hands to get a bar chord, um, an F, an F chord or whatever. Mm. Keep practicing, can't do it, can't do it. And there must be something I don't know what it is that you go away from something, leave it, get it out of your mind. And I came back to it, and immediately my fingers recognised that bar chord pattern, and immediately went to it. I can't explain what that is but it's obviously repeating in different things, the rope, guitar. It's a way of learning, isn't it? Yeah. Something in that, having that rest period, coming back something to Something in the background, yeah, just some background computing going yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. I've really been listening cool. to a lot of um, Andrew Huberman recently on mm-hmm. his podcast, and everything is, like, related to a certain part of the brain. So I've kind of become dead dead obsessed. <laughs> with, I wonder what, what part of the brain's firing there to remember that and forget that and pick that up. <laughs> mm, yeah man that i, I watched uh all, all of his sorry, talk. sorry to interrupt you tim can i just let the dog out two minutes yeah let him out get him, get him gone. No worries. right um yeah i listened to like half of his podcast with ido portal i've not finished it yet but that was really good to see someone from two completely ends of the spectrum but just like coming yeah. together on a conversation like that yeah, I mean, Edo, Edo's talking on another level that I, I can't comprehend what he's talking about a lot of the time. But. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people feel that. I think, you, yeah, it's, that's the, the thing is with my, with my practice is I, I see it as almost the other end of the movement spectrum to what Edo does, although I'm sure his his covers everything, so it is it's universal. But yeah. what I liked with David was it felt like I've, I haven't, and now I can't speak like um, fully for the Edo stuff because I haven't, done one of his courses or anything but there's an organization to david weck's teachings and movement that when we focus on locomotion it, it there is it naturally has it has to be organized a certain way yeah that i see is kind of the opposite end to what Edo teaches so his is full range of everything and and it seems like whereas this is organized and that's that appealed to me because i've i, I think we're all mathematical to a degree it just depends on you know certain how we learn in school and whether we had an emotional block to it but i i quite like i'm quite analytically minded mm-hmm. and i love looking at the mathematics of things and when i can find that in movement and what david teaches is there is an organized system that we can go through to learn to move better um, and that's what i really like because it felt more precise and like there's an end goal and and markers to learn things to know along the way if you are improving um and so that's that's been my focus is like organized movement training as opposed to kind of chaotic one and i think there's an absolute place for both this is just the chapter of my life i'm in right now is is with this organized stuff with the rope with the 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 pulses he does and 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 other things yeah of course i think it goes back to like different ways different people learn in different ways don't they and i'm i am probably similar to yourself and i I like more structure and little little rewards along the way and what can i get Mm. to next right what's next after that yeah rather than and I've only listened to a bit of Ido Potal stuff, but it's very like esoteric in it. There's no like <laughs> it real... feels it, doesn't it? It does yeah. feel a bit. It's like very intellectual, but also quite open ended at the same time. Yeah. Um, but there is absolute wisdom and, and gold there. Yeah. Um, it was quite but... funny on the beginning of that podcast that he, he's talking to Andrew Huberman, and he actually admits at the beginning he was like, "I probably will not answer any of your questions today, but we'll try. So and that... get, we'll try and get somewhere." <laughs> Yeah, that's what he literally what he said, didn't he? He said, "I'm not yeah. going to answer. I'm not going to answer any of your questions, but we'll try and get some." Yeah, <laughs> that was good. 
So how far um, have you took the movement patterns from the rope? Now I've seen some stuff on your Instagram. You're actually utilizing the, the kettlebells as well to, to mm. go into that. I suppose we can talk about the school of biomechanics now that um, you've started to promote that a little bit more. What, what yep. is that? Could you explain a bit about that, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. So literally when I saw David move and then I've tried to replicate him and I've got the rope, I've got the pulses, but my ankles was this issue that I was like, well, there's a missing link between me and David right now because he's got strong feet clearly because he lives in barefoot shoes and sprints every day. Yeah. Um, so I was like, what's missing? So I did a few interviews with David and I've hung out with him. I spent a few weeks with him in San Diego and I, we messaged quite frequently and I'd heard him say he had really, he used to roller skate around New York for like seven years in rollerblades. He lived in rollerblades and because they're like literally like casts, they're so yeah. firm. It will give you strong quads right but your feet become weak because they're not actually doing any work really mm -hmm. and because you need they need to be moving to be working so he got really weak feet and he said he was on a beach in france and it was pebble beach and he couldn't walk on the beach he had to crawl on his hands and knees because it was so painful yeah. and i was like well my feet i mean they're not that extreme in terms of painful to walk across a beach but i've got weak weak feet to a degree so i was like what can so i kept digging into it and he said he got a swiss ball and he just would stand on it. He got obsessed with standing on it. And he said, what if I apply? Because in martial arts, like balance is one of the most important, like if you own the, the kind of, I'm not martial arts, so I can't necessarily verbalize it, but I can understand that you have to remain, maintain balance and that center point. And if someone can get you off balance and jujitsu is the same, right? if they yeah. can get you off balance, they can, they can have you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're yeah. fighting for that. Yeah. yeah. So you're fighting to maintain that posture, that balance. And so he said, let's apply this to locomotion which is the, the fight and the flight, right? So it's the two ends of the spectrum. People apply it to martial arts, staying in the center line. But so he got the Swiss boy, he said, let me become the number one coach or whatever on the, on the study of balance within movement because people will walk on a slack line or high line and stuff, but it's not really like obsessed with movement and applying it to, so let me, let me apply balance to locomotion. And so he got on a Swiss ball and, you think okay well you could do swiss ball you could do all these but there's something about the swiss ball that it's it's literally a sphere mm -hmm. right so it can go in all directions it can go all 360 degrees and wherever you're weak it will go to and that this is what i mean even jujitsu right take that as a metaphor is like yeah you you you're searching to find the person's weak spot and then you you find it and you manipulate that so the swiss ball is literally like if you've got strong quads well it might go the backwards and you might have weak hamstrings or hit there's a very simplification but yeah wherever you're weak in the body it will find and then you might start to shake which is kind of like this i see it like the speed wobbles if you're on a skateboard going down a hill and you're going too fast for the what the axles and the bearings can take then you start to shake and so you could either you know upgrade the bearings so you can maintain that speed or whatever so when we're on the swiss ball and we're trying to balance in different positions I I've, I've, was able to find these shakes and the more I did it this was just from gleaming from David was like he spent a lot of time at the Swiss ball so let me try spend a lot of time at the Swiss ball I'd get these shakes and the more I did it the more over time the shakes would stop in certain positions where I used to shake loads now I don't shake anymore and I feel a lot more stable in my hips and in my knees and, and right. in my feet and ankles as well now once I learned to balance standing on it um so through this seeking, using a stability object like the like the ball to challenge my stability, I'd get these shakes. The more I'd shake, the more the more that 
it would fade away eventually and the more stable I'd feel in my body. So it became my goal now is to sort of seek and find any, any positions in my body and you can use the ball or even just on the floor. I'll go on the floor now and just drive my, my left shoulder blade in yeah. and I feel these like flutters, like little tremors inside the body, which you couldn't probably see visually, but I can feel it going on. And it, because you have to find the right threshold yeah. for your body, if the threshold, if you give it, if it's too heavy or too much stress, the body locks up and the fascia and everything will tighten up. And it's like, if you try and lift a really heavy weight, the body will lock up. But if you find the right weight, you can stay, you can challenge it, but stay soft in the position and you'll feel it shake. Right. And the, so the, the more, this was, this was my, the strength training is like, if you've got a healthy body, you know, you've, you've got no injuries, you can strength train and it will help you, it will benefit you. And, you know, obviously do it intelligently and how you do it and yeah. you can do, but for me, like patterns of movement comes before strength, because if you're doing, getting stronger, but you move stiff, well, it's just going to make you stiffer and stiffer. Yeah. But if you can move on the way that the body's kind of designed and you can hit all these end ranges and get strong in these end ranges, well, then that's great. But if you don't have secure joints and a secure spine and foundations and you do movement patterns, well, you can skip over because you're in, using momentum and movement patterns. I always think about the figure of eight, right? And say yeah. my top left, let's say I've got a bad shoulder, left shoulder. Well, I consider that kind of the top left point of, the, of this, of the figure of eight. Mm -hmm. And if I've got a bad right hip, well, that's kind of like the bottom right side yeah. of the figure of eight. Yeah. But I can skip past that because the momentum's coming and I can use the other side of my body to skip past that. So, but, but when we get into stability work, we just find a position and stay in that position. And it could be my, my right hip. I need to activate it in some way, whether it's on my front, my back, kneeling on the Swiss ball, standing on the Swiss ball. I need to find a way to challenge the integrity of that joint, but where it's not too much that it locks up and where it's not too little that it doesn't stimulate it. So could you use kind of, just so it's, it's clear in my head, hmm. you could use maybe the plank position. And as you're holding a plank, whatever's instable will start to shake is that kind of, is that something is that what you're on about yeah. that's that's exactly the like where people might have felt and experienced it before yeah. yes the plank is a great way to do that and so what i call them is like subtle planks so rather than just on all fours where you're kind of bilaterally tense mm -hmm. i'll go onto onto one arm and i'll allow and with the knees on the swiss ball and when you're on one arm because that can move well, then if you're unstable it will find the shakes if you're on the floor it might take yeah. you a lot longer to get there but because that's highlights it way way easier and you, you find them a lot easier so i do that like yeah exactly the plank is it so we want to find mini planks within the body so like i say i'll lie on my back and i'll drive the, the scapula into the floor and it will lift my chest a bit yeah and that's like a mini plank right because but we're not bridging elbows to feet we're bridging like shoulder blade to hip or something it. so yeah. it's a smaller bridge but this allows us to work on the core and the, the more we can and this is what i'm learned from chris and what i'm experiencing again the stronger and more stable the core, well, then everything, and this would be so good for jujitsu, right? Because it's all levers and anchors. Yeah. If I've got a weak shoulder and I'm trying to anchor out here, that's that's going to lock up and tighten. No wonder we've got stiff shoulders. But if this is like a real strong, stable foundation, the longer it will allow me to reach and have strength at that range. Yeah. So the more we can strengthen the core through these stability tasks, which was my challenge is like, okay, stability seems foundational before we get to patterns before we get to strength although it is a type of strength of course but when i say strength i mean traditional strength training this is yeah. like a different type of this is a different type of strength training i i call it lateral strength training whereas 
we're not going eccentric and concentric where we're working the length of the muscle and we're lengthening and contracting. We're testing it like laterally, like, like this yeah, way. Yeah. So it's like a fight that maybe whether it's cross fibers or the fascia, or, you know, I, I try not to get too into, into the physiology of it because I think we can get lost and it can get too intellectualized. I just try to like show people, let people feel it and so explain it, like, it. it. You take that plank a step further and go on to maybe gymnastic rings they take you that way would that be the same idea yeah and have you ever tried it and felt shakes on gymnastic rings yeah yeah for sure yeah totally yeah so whatever whatever gives you the shakes do that for two or three weeks yeah and notice how the shakes get less and less and find a new place yeah. and, and it's literally just exploring your body finding positions that give you shakes writing it down coming back to that position and and either either upping the intensity or the weight or moving on to a new position but th this is literally is, is for me is it feels like it's cement might be the wrong word because that makes it sound like you're getting stiff but it mm -hmm. feels like it's cementing my joints and in, in terms of like they feel a lot more secure and stable but of yeah. course it's like a fluid it's a fluid cement it allows you to to move with once it's stable it allows you to be it the thing is have you ever tried to get more flexible and you just stretched every day yeah and and you've not really made much progress yeah because i'm not because you're not is it because you're not strong at those range of motions is that because you're not stable yeah, yeah. it's st stable strong however you want to deem yeah. it it's like rigidity is false strength so when we're tight and rigid it's because the body's locking up to protect the instability so it's not real strength so we when we're really strong we're supple and mobile uh, and so, so is that where the just, fluid fluidity comes in because i wanted to ask you you've got stability fluidity strength Exactly. The fluidity then is being able to move within that. Yeah. Uh, so that's the patterns or the sequencing. Right. Okay. So the fluidity comes in, but that that built on a foundation of incredible stability or incredible like if it, the, the it's like with with a tent, right? If you put tent poles up and you just put the poles near the near the tent and it's windy, well, it doesn't really secure it much. But yeah. the further you put the poles away from the tent, the more secure the tent's going to be because it's got this wide base. Yeah. So the more stable we are, the wider a base we have to begin strength training or endurance sports, whatever it is, the, just the more stable and the less gaps in our, in our joints. And the thing is, this goes, it could be the meridian system. Like I've been looking at the Chinese meridian system of like the, the bladder is the one that runs down each side of the spine, right. you know, and it, it, that their energy lines. So I'm thinking like, oh, it's my ribs or it's my shoulder, my scapula, my lat my obliques but it might i just like the, the meridian system as well because it's com connected energies of, of line or like rather than think of it as hamstring um that is that that's the bladder down the back of the leg and it connects to the so it's like there's other ways of looking at it that i'm exploring and maybe that get, can get too complicated yeah. but, but the, the western anatomy and even the and the western approach to this is just i just feel like there's just all of us have probably had experiences where we've paid physios or coaches and not really felt much experience. And we're not mad at them. We, they've just doing their job. Yeah. But I just think there's, there's much more simpler and consistent answers we can get that, that, that puts a bit more responsibility on us because it's not like I can prescribe this that easily. I'm, I'm trying to, with the school of biomechanics is create a system that will help as many people in one, in one way as possible. But of course, it has to be open to you exploring because if we're all just doing planks, but 
you know, we've got, some of us have got right shoulder issues, some of us have got left hip issues, and we're all just doing planks. Yeah, it's not specific for... It's not specific, but if you know what to look for within your body and you know what the shakes feels like and your right shoulder, you do the same thing, you don't get it, but on your left, you do, well, then just focus on that left in that position yeah. rather than... So it's there's got to be a bit of personal responsibility with this stuff, but it's not it's not out of anyone's reach to understand what's happening. So how does that programme work? Um, did they get like a bit of a syllabus, a structure for a few weeks, and then they kind of... We'll, we'll take ownership of it a little bit more and be more... Yeah, exactly. So I've, I've basically used a, a programme. It's like an app, but it's a, it's a web page. But it's every week, a new programme, a new session opens up. Um, so they join and then it's schoolofbiomechanics.com and if you want to join. But then there's the syllabus. It's four weeks of stability training. But I would recommend people do th three months of stability training. I've done three months before I'm moving on right now. I'm, I'm in like month four and I'm still doing it because I feel the benefits. Can, I want to do a year of this, to be honest, but I don't want, because it's a monthly subscription, I don't want people to feel like I'm making them do three months of something before I'm allowed. So after a month, then fluidity opens up and they can do the kett these kettlebell patterns and ro the rope and kettle really like kettlebell because we just want to grease the groove. And I've got this just a few key patterns that I find really good for, for really getting the full length of the lat the obliques, just, just a few things that are, yeah, just movement patterns as well. Yeah. And then it moves on to strength training, which I'm sort of in the midst of developing right now, what I deem as like intelligent strength training where it's efficient, it's not overtaxing, it's in alignment with the body's natural um, corners rather than rigid and square. Yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's essentially, it's a three month program over three modules and every month is a different module and every week builds on the last week. Um, so it's, it's systematized um, in a way, but if I would encourage people to do it for longer, but it's up to them whether they just take it and, and do it in their own time. Yeah. Just before we, um, I won't take up too much more of your time, Tim, but I'm curious about how your training works. Do you even call it training? What is your kind of? Yeah, I, it's absolutely. I, I, I do. It varies a bit, but at the moment, I'm just loving the stability work still. Yeah. Because I feel like it's just this is this is a, a really good point actually I, I think that I, that resonates highly for me is i'm looking for practices like I, I have a faith in a higher power right for me that that's god but it can be however it is creation's design whether it's evolution or whatever there's a certain design within nature that that when we're aligned with that things are easier like there's there's less maintenance that needs to be done now when I, you think of strength training that's a lot of maintenance like you, to get stronger and then main, then you have to maintain it because if you don't train for two weeks you lose it quite quickly yeah whereas something like the swiss ball balance training or stability training or the rope you can put in a lot of training in a short space of time and that will last you for years and years like a child learns to stand on their feet they learn to walk and then it's not until they're 70 or 80 and then they start, their balance starts to go. Yeah. Right? That lasts 60, 70 years. Of course, some people, it doesn't even go. Some people, it's better. So if we can put in three months on a Swiss ball and get 10 years of benefits from it, why not do that? Whereas if you put in three months of strength training, you might get a month or two of benefit after yeah. you stop. Like I'm, so I'm looking for the practices that take low maintenance but they, they last and wet cause these rites of passage. And so when I find these, I just dial into them. That's what I did with the rope. I did one or two years of the rope hardcore. And now I still play with it because there's still more stuff to be gleaned from it, but I don't have to, I can 
not do it for 10 years and I'd still know what this feels like. Yeah, castle. You know? Whereas with, with the Swiss ball, it's the same thing. Like I I can leave it and I can have security in my system for, for maybe five, 10 years. But I know how to, if you can stand on that thing and you do that a few times every year, yeah. you think when you're 80, you're going to fall going down the stairs. Like <laughs> it's a bit a lot less likely if you're able to do that every year. Like, Gosh, you know, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, and it's not, and it's something that when you train it, you can listen to a podcast. You're not having to focus on it. The body, the body is solving itself. It's self-organizing, which is beautiful because it's like, it's not that hard work really. It's just finding the right difficulty where it's not too easy that you're not being challenged, but it's not too hard that it's frustrating. So you find the right difficulty of position. You hold the position. You, you can focus on the task. You can breathe or you can listen to something, whatever it is. You can yeah. even sit on your phone in some positions. Um, but you let the body self-organize and you get out the body's way, you know? And so there's practices like that, that when I find them, like the aha moment comes in, it came with the rope, it came with the Swiss ball yeah. and I'm just, just gung ho on that. So I'm mostly doing the Swiss ball. I'm doing some floor, the mini planks that I'm talking about. My shoulder feels a lot better, um, since doing that. And then the kettlebells, super lightweight and just, and just finding the patterns that make me feel explosive and I can feel the sequencing in because that's what the kettlebell is all about, right? It's when we're doing even just hip thrust yeah. or the, the, the main the kettlebell swing, there's, there's the drive and then there's, there's like the, there's the flow to the whole thing. And so a light kettlebell helps you to tune in to this kind of flow yeah. and that you find the positions that relate to, to running, to jumping, to throwing, whatever. And I'm just dialing into them. So I'm still, it's a work in progress and I'm developing as we go. There's, a, there's, hundred members in the school of biomechanics um right now so we're this is the first the beta run through so we're, we're testing it all out and i'm getting everyone to to post their results but so far people are finding the shapes on the ball and they're loving it and and we, i'm just that's i'm still enjoying it too so yeah. that's my main training at the moment but long term wise you saw me break dancing the other day like this stuff is just for me to do now so that I can just do, I want to do free running. I want to do rock climbing. I want to run, do mountain running. I want to yeah. do break dancing. Uh, I love the human body and what it can do. Maybe jujitsu. I'll have a, a, a stint of my life, a chapter yeah, doing that. Do it's, it's really been on the horizon, but I was hesitant to do, I've been hesitant to do jujitsu because I just thought I feel fragile. And, that, and that's, a lot of us probably feel fragile and it's like, yeah. it's not a nice feeling if we can solve feeling fragile and we can move without inhibition, like the child does, mm -hmm. then we can, what do we want to do? The world's our oyster. And so I've been working to solve that fragility. Um, I've made huge leaps and bounds. I'm not fully there, but I'd say I'm past 50% now um, from where I was. And I'm just going to continue to do this. And then hopefully that becomes the world's my oyster and I can, and I can try what I want. And at that point I can pick anything new up at a much faster rate because yeah. I've got these, I've got a strong core and I understand movement, the foundation of all movement at all levels. So if, if I did pick up jujitsu, I would want to put a stopwatch on it, you know, and just like, <laughs> how fast can I get to blue belt or something, you know, and yeah. just like, there's a, there's a team in America um, called 10th planets. I don't know if you'd have heard of them. Eddie, Eddie Bravo's. Yeah. And a lot of them, uh, the practitioners who he's got on his team come from a breakdancing background. And for some, yeah. well, not for some reason, you've just explained the reason why they seem to excel and understand the movement straight away. So yeah. a lot of them got black belts in a really short period of time. Yeah. Similar to your point, Tim, because they probably understand the way the body moves more. They understand, they recognize patterns. Yeah. Breakdancing is so like, 
the learning curve is tough. Like, so w- when you can like manipulate your body and know where you are at all times and then still be able to, t- the timing of breakdancing, like you're on your back, you bounce and you land, but you have to be able to bounce again. There's just so much going on. And on top of that, there's the core strength that they must have yeah. to, to begin from that it doesn't surprise me when I heard, I remember hearing that years ago and I was just like, not surprised. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's cool. And it, it just, it's quite exciting if I'm, if I get to that chapter. Yeah, definitely need to give it a go. So for me to kind of like summarize and get it right in my head, what we're talking about is, is kind of a, a version of general physical preparedness, aren't we? So not, I'm not talking about just like lifting weights and getting strong in the bench and all that kind of stuff, but you're not being too specific. You're being quite general with your training, but getting the body physically prepared so then it can just tech to any, any task or any sport that, that you chuck exactly. at it. Bingo. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah, general preparedness, just just working out the kinks, working on my weaknesses so that, the, you know, a rising tide lifts or boats or whatever like we just fix it we work on the weaknesses man like face those demons in that closet and it's it's this whole like i'm reading a book now from 1884 like it was one of the first strength training books recorded from like modern era all right and he's just talking so much in that about how people all the sports people are doing leave them one-sided you know like baseball and and yeah, cricket, cricket, whatever, yeah, cricket, yeah. whatever. and he's, yeah. then he's saying like rugby is like much more both sides kind of thing um, and jiu-jitsu is obviously both sides utilized like you've yeah. got to be strong and you can't have a weak side and he's saying how this builds people with a lot of imbalance um, and he's also talking one, one thing I also really gleaned from it was how much he talks about people having a strong walk like we all want to run fast we don't really want to do walking but it's this humble challenges like can you walk four miles in an hour like, that's a fucking zip on like yeah you could run it easily but can you walk it and this is you you have to have strong feet to walk it you can run it with weak feet right because you can use your hips and you, your hip and this is why people have you know hip flexors and you can use a lot more of that but when you're walking you have to push up the ball of your foot and so here's this i'm learning so much from this it's like ah yeah like focus take it down a notch and get good at that level and I'm sure you can, this can apply, you must have moments with jujitsu with the same thing, right? Work on the foundations and get really good at them yeah, and build. Yeah. But we don't apply it to, we just become so arrogant, I guess, is the word in society because we want to yeah. run, if we, we see our on. friend running a 10K <laughs> in 50 minutes and we want to chase that goal and we, yeah. we an Instagram life, we want to chain, must train, chase muscle ups and we can't even do 10 chin ups. And there's, there's just certain things that the more we can find humility, humility is literally a shortcut. Like it, if you, you want to get your ceilings here and you're trying to chase it that way, but it's like, take this step, build the foundations or yeah. I call it like a key. It's the master key is like, how can I be more humble here and, and tune into the subtlety of where my threshold, my personal threshold is, which isn't. And, and it's so hard to say, cause it's like, we can under train as well, but it depends what we're, what we're training. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this, this, this non-dominant training, which they go on about in this book. And I think that's so important is, is not have is, is just with the rope which teaches us it and these other practices is we're built to have this these two sides and it's like if you imagine a, a tennis game with two players and you've got one really good player and one really shitty player and they're playing another two well they're just going to focus on they're going to find the weak link hit all the balls to the weak player and it's going to be an easy win for them but if they can get if you can get the weak player to be like a medium player then you're going to be able to go way further with the whole team is going to be much better right so it's like with these practices the more we can work on our weaknesses it's just like bringing up that that 
that's part of us that's that weak link and it just i mean i don't don't need a metaphor for people to know why to do it but it just it yeah. just feels like the more we can focus on weaknesses and build them up the whole system just glows like like i think beyond we've ever comprehended so that, that's my focus and journey and mission right now that's amazing i think that kind of brings us back full circle almost that what we spoke about at the beginning was you have all the fancy tricks and everything but having that humility to bring yourself back down to maybe just whatever your chosen activity is but with the rope just really getting into that it's not the mind muscle connection is it but like getting more into your body as to why that that works and why it's so so valuable and so feels so good as well yeah, yeah. it's training a muscle that we haven't been taught to train like yeah. no one in pe physical education class like they they just play the sport and then it's a crab shoot right whoever makes it through successfully becomes yeah. professional and it's like well, how about we learn how we should move in the first place? Let's train children to have good patterns of movement so that they don't have to have much correction when they're older. Like yeah. the rope should be in every school from like 10 years, you know, to, to even just 10 to 12. If they all did that, then the rest of their teenage years would they'd move way better. But mm -hmm. it, it might be a journey till that happens. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's having that humility for sure is, is, is cool. Is that something you're trying to approach? Maybe getting younger kids involved in... Um, the movement stuff is that something you're actively doing I wouldn't say I'm actively doing it I mean maybe that that, that should be a focus I'm, I'm still just trying to verify everything I'm doing with people that are keen to try it but no doubt at some stage in the future if, pe if people approach me or or that that I'm I'm bored of the chapter I'm, I'm on and that might be something to focus on it's like right how can we actually take this to yeah. schools how can we prove that this is something that they should should be trying and um yeah that that could come in the near future for sure yeah it's always funny when you see little little kids especially toddlers and they squat don't they, they sit in, in a squat in a perfect squat and yeah. they're like someone of our age or whatever who isn't necessarily training or used to getting in that position struggles to just because of the there's a wider conversation there about sitting in chairs and all that kind of stuff but it's it's mad in it that that's a big patterns. Yeah. it is and that's a big part of it is i think that the soft and this isn't to poo poo like beds and sh shoes because they all have their place yeah but because of this softness our bodies become hard and it's not we've lost stability because of that firmness and that's why i, th I think the swiss ball is like overly soft that the body has to like suddenly go, whoa, this is too much. What can, what can I do yeah. to balance myself? And so that's like the overshoot one way. And then the other shoot is like wearing barefoot or wearing no shoes and walking on hard floor. Then you have to soften that way as well. So we, with workout, what are one of the biggest things I learned from him, BOSU means both sides utilized. He's the one that invented the BOSU. Oh, right. so, yeah. But it means both sides utilized. And not only is it the left and the right, it's the hard and the soft, you know? The, the fast and the slow is, is looking at both ends of the practice and if yeah. i practice both well my middle becomes way stronger right so ultimate soft and then the hard is, is the ultimate firm and, and we train both and so then when i'm wearing trainers and running down the street it makes it i'm so much more confident yeah superb just before we go to what was the name of that book that you're reading the the one the strength training book how to be how to get strong and how to stay so how to get strong William Blakey and it's yeah it's really cool I got it on William Blake Blakely or Blakey Blakey B-L-I-K-I-E because William Blake is like an, a famous author yeah. this is like a different William Blakey <laughs> um but that that book it's, it simplifies it it's quite good it gives the training program um for young men which I'm actually doing at the moment from it yeah. which is just really simple using uh, dumbbells 
that is one fifteenth your body weight. So it's five kilos a hand for me, right? 75 kilos, five kilos a hand. Like you go to the gym and you want to, every week you want to build a higher weight or something like that. And I'm like, how about just maintenance? Like just do maintenance, and, uh, you know? And uh, Cause that's like I say, I'm trying to find practices that don't need maintenance, but yeah. strength training is something that you maintain. And no, I don't mind, I enjoy strength training, you know, when I've got the energy, whatever to do so. And the more I can use a humble weight to do it, the more it's not going to take from the rest of my day, the rest of my, my, my week, yeah. whatever. So five kilos a hand and that's all I need. And you do 50 reps of each and it's, it's got a little training program that I'm enjoying in that, you know, and it's, and it's focused on hitting, hitting all sides. So we're not just getting rounded shoulders, helping the mm -hmm. posture and stuff. So it's a cool book. It's simply very simplified, simplified strength training, but I actually like sometimes, like I say, I'm going, the, the modules are, stability fluidity strength well i was like i haven't done strength training in like two or three years let me go back to almost the start and see where it's come from because it yeah. can get so convoluted and complicated how was someone looking at the body before they had all this instagram gyms weren't on every street corner how were they thinking about the body you know even looking at bruce lee's training and stuff people used to run one mile a day or two miles maximum they didn't do all this 10k half marathon like that stuff's okay and i, I fucking love it when you know, it's a chapter and a stint that I might revisit, but two miles is a healthy distance to run, but yeah. we want to run further. We want to run faster. Easily maintainable as well, isn't it? Like, it's uh, easily made. Yeah. So it's, so it's looking at these, oh yeah, you don't need to go far or fast or, and, and just, you can, and you can enjoy just feeling healthy every day. Literally learning not to overtrain has been one of the longest journeys on, of my yeah. physical career. And I'm still like, <laughs> still got a long way to go, but it's, it's been a, yeah. The big That's one. something um, I'm currently in the process of getting my head around now as well. Because, um, sorry, I know I know we've got an hour, Tim. Sorry, I won't take up cool. too much more of your time. No worries. No, it's all right. But having that understanding that you don't have to come out of the gym broken and beat down and huge. That's so around. huge. So yeah. big. Yeah. I know. Um, and I think it's another one of Pavel Satsulin's protocols that, like, say you was just say you can do ten reps of failure, but you just do sets of five, so you never beat mm. down. You never go into failure and then you could just do that the day after and the day after and then if you had to do like a set of 20 you could actually physically do it you know what i mean i like that approach man yeah i like that cool. i know people disagree with that for like building strength and muscle but i think it, it works man the body likes that tempo and that, yeah. that amount I, I i'm gonna explore that now i literally just bought his book strong found strong something strong was it's not strong first that's his thing him and someone else wrote a book about easy, easy strength. I think it was Dan John, wasn't it? Did he write it with Dan John? Yeah. So have you read that book? Um, I think it's in my Kindle library. I've, I've probably, yeah, read, I put it on my Kindle. Read it, not read it really, so, just like, yeah. So after that other old school book, I thought, what's the next? And that feels like a, a healthy next for me because I like Pavel's, you know, yeah. philosophy and stuff. So I'm going to check that next. Yeah, it's cool. Dan John's another good one to, to visit if you've not come across much of Dan John's work. Yeah. Okay. I haven't, I'll check it. It's fantastic. Yeah. There's a book, um, never i always get it confused with the film there's a film called never back down but hmm. i think it's never let go dan john's book never let go and it's not written like a fitness book do this do that it's written in a narrative and a story the audio's gone for me there I don't know what's happened. hello can you hear me oh there you go yeah you're back yeah, so yeah. dan john's book never let go it's written in yeah. it's written in a narrative so rather than a, a reps and reps and sets prescribing your workout he tells a story around where he learned this workout from why he recommends it and all this it's a really good book yeah cool man i'll, to, yeah. I'll put that on my kindle uh to list yeah yeah well anyway tim thank you i really appreciate you coming on this morning it's been a fantastic little chat i've really enjoyed it and um thanks very much thanks david no, i appreciate you having me on mate and yeah 
if people want to check me out, uh, timsheaf.sob uh, or schoolofbiomechanics.com. Brilliant, mate. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the sun. And, uh, Cheers. Catch you soon, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.